Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Mondale Kalesi. How are you? It's great to have you on the show. Hi, doing great. Thanks for having me. But before we get into all the exciting stuff that you're doing in the autonomous vehicle space mm-hmm. today, it'd be great to hear a little bit about yourself and your career so far. Yeah, thanks again uh, for having me on the show. Uh, it's you know great to be able to, to speak with you. Um, yeah, I'm originally from the UK. I, I grew up in France, which is maybe an oxymoron. Um, I, uh, I, so I call Paris my home. I have a technical background, so I started in enterprise IT and then that moved into mobile uh, in the early 2000s. And then, as you know, a vehicle now is a smartphone on wheels, or so they say, uh, or so they, they plan. So uh, I moved from mobile to, to automotive over the last basically 10, 15 years. And as you know, the mobile, uh, the, the revolution of the mobile phone has really helped um, the vehicle become you know much closer to consumer needs right what mm-hmm. people need because for many people nowadays the mobile is the main touch point to a lot of the services and the vehicle should not be connected mm-hmm. but it should just be an extension of your of your experience that is often now mediated through the mobile so yeah that's that's been my my background so as you mentioned now I work at, at um, in, in autonomy um, at Fortuna yeah and i mean what a great place to find yourself at a time when everyone's thinking about either uh you know electric cars or hydrogen powered cars or vehicles that actually don't have any form of a driver and you know there's so much innovation happening in the in the automotive space so mondali tell me a little bit more about where you guys are today and what's what what you're focused on yeah i think the um the the, the focal point really is you know, are we able to support these big social and socioeconomic changes that are ongoing, right? I think one of the main things we have is climate change. That's kind of one big trend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another big trend is uh, mega cities and migration. And we're seeing that happen kind of everywhere, you know, um, population depopulating the, the rural areas and mega cities becoming larger and more densely populated. And so there's a economic, um, you know, um, dichotomy, if you will, with, you know, rural areas kind of losing the the economic potential to run services for public services, mobility services, etc. And they're increasingly growing older, right? And so with age comes, you know, less responsiveness when you're driving a car leads to less opportunities to move freely, right? And so it's decreasing quality of life. And this is not something that's happening only in Japan, it's happening, you know, globally. So that's really the, the kind of background against, you know, what, what, we're, what we're doing. And, and, you know, we're basically seeing, um, you know, solutions through technology. Is technology something we can do to help improve and or maintain people's uh, quality of life? So right. autonomy is one of them, right? So in many cases, when in Japan, at least, um, over a certain age, the government is actually recommending people to hand back their uh, driver's licenses. Mm-hmm. because, you know, it might be a danger to themselves or to others. At the same time, you know, people need to get ferried to supermarket, 
see their friends, see their family, go to the clinic, go to the you know public services, and maybe they don't can't afford getting a cab every time because pensions are every year going down. So right. um, is there a solution to help them? Is there a solution to help us get more time back on our commute? Increasingly, cities are congested. You spend so much time in the commute. Why, why bother in stop and start traffic? Why not just press a button and do something else with that time? So I think these are, these are the things that we're kind of really focusing on, you know, using software to just see if we can improve people's lives through these. Big you know, I, I love that, Mandali. And, and I know that you mentioned, obviously, things like handling, uh, coming up with a way to have a more sustainable economy, uh, dealing with global warming and climate control. You know, let, let's go through those kind of broader trends a little bit more mm -hmm. and, and put it in the context with the work that you're focused on these days. So, um, let's take a topic like global warming. How, how does that play into what you and the team are focused on? So I think um, you're seeing a diversification now with the EV revolution, so electric vehicle revolution that's going on. And, um, and I think, you know, we all have a part to play to move away from, from fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that, that, you know, I personally think is something that's very exciting. You know, I think electric vehicles um, is something that can benefit climate change, uh, it can bring that under control. Hopefully, you know, we talk about 1.5 Celsius, right? Um, you know, we're still far from that. Um, and so, but then on the on the converse, I think we have to think about electric vehicles as the entire supply chain of where does the electricity come from, right? If it comes from fossil fuels in the first place, it defeats the purpose. So I think, you know, whether it's hydrogen, fuel cells, EV, hybrid, you know, what it, you know, how can we decarbonize um, the, the energy Mm -hmm. um, supply chain, I think, is what we're seeing now. And if transportation and EVs can support that, then you know, all the better. I think one of the one of the challenges you're seeing now with the um, with the recent war in Ukraine and um, you know the price of, of, of fuel going up, etc., is that people are turning on the nuclear power stations again, mm -hmm. um, and you know we're having to move uh, back to that portion of the grid being more supported by fossil fuels. So I think there's a kind of conflict right now in the, in the energy equation whereby there's just prices are just forcing people back into maybe what's not an ideal scenario but i think overall in the medium to longer trend i think we need to bring uh you know climate change is, is on us right i think we, we, I, that, we know that know, i think that's such a great way to frame that up because i have seen that discussed but perhaps not in the way that you just described it which is Certainly, we find ourselves in a moment of acute need, right? With this, with the energy challenges. And yet, there's also a longer will, a longer desire, and a longer understanding that we all have to come up with like a sustainable model. And trying to figure out how to balance those two things has been challenging to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think which yeah we're, we're right now at a time which is it's it's very difficult. I think so. Regulators, I think, around the world are very much um, driven to see how we can decarbonize, how we can move away from fossil fuels. On the other hand, we have you know these prices you know for fuel we have today. We have these supply chain issues. On the other hand, renewable energy is also not like a you know plug and play, right? You can't yeah. just switch off all the fossil fuel and switch on all the wind power and everything fine, right? It's still only a proportion of what you need to keep the lights on. So I think, you know, we have a, there's a marketing view, which is, or, or I guess a more so social 
aspirational view, which is we need to decarbonize, we need to bring climate change under control. But on the other hand, you know, it's like infrastructure takes a long time to put in place. Those building it need to amortize their costs over someone actually paying for the service that runs on them. Yeah. It's not a free lunch, right? Uh, and so even though, for example, for EVs, some countries are phasing out, you know, um, you know, regular what we call internal combustion engine um, and, 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 and potentially hybrids and switch them out for EVs. But then do you have that power grid to support everyone suddenly switching to plugging in their car into their house or into a into a charging station? I found, you know, if if climate change is really a global issue that we're trying to we're trying to achieve. And I kind of wrote this on my blog. A couple of months back, I was looking at sub-Saharan Africa and, you know, how, you know, self-driving and EVs could could, could potentially, um, you know, benefit them. And the number one issue I found was electrification. Like there is mm. simply not a strong enough power grid to, to just have everyone just overnight switch to EV. Yeah. And infrastructure is not free and implementing it and allowing people to use that, you know, also needs to make sense from a business perspective. So, so I think um, it's just an extreme example, but I think it's the same thing that everyone is 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 is, is struggling with, right? Uh, you know, in certain areas like California, you know, they have had a policy there in place for. I, I was surprised; I found this out just a couple of days ago. They set up the zero emission vehicle policy mm -hmm. in 1990. <laughs> That's like over 30 years ago, and now it's like California is you know a great place for you know yeah they made that decision 30 years ago and they're still yeah. kind of building up to it. So I think we need a kind of reality check that either we're going to do something radically different and literally mm. like stop investing in a whole bunch of stuff tomorrow and focus on electrification and building that infrastructure in the next five to 10 years, or it's going to be a more gradual process where right. we're going to be more pragmatic about a number of different sources and, you know, do that gradually. So, you know, there's no uh, there's no silver bullet. That's the, yeah, uh, no, I, I hear you. It's I love the way that you you've outlined it. And certainly you've laid out the key issues. And, you know, I want to jump back to the topic that you mentioned up front, which is the work that you are doing to build these vehicles that really kind of offer mobility. Uh, everyone more mobility as they as they age. And we have the situation, you know, uh, sad news about the the queen passing, but uh, certainly she lived for 96 years. So it gives you a sense that people are living longer these days and trying to figure out ways to give them more autonomy as they get older. Tell me where we are in terms of rolling some of these exciting things that I know you and your team are working on out to the broader public. Yeah, I think... Um... You know the the promise of you know fully autonomous um, you know is has gone away right I think we're having regulators being a little bit more mm, what's the word a little bit more strict about <laughs> you know making sure that you know uh, reality meets you know the needs of of users and that reality needs the need the the reality of what you're in what's in the product I think the difficulty is there's a lot of excitement around autonomy. But as we now know, it's very, very difficult to do, you know, full autonomy because it takes people, you know, people are just so, such good drivers, actually, <laughs> you, know, you know, even if you, you know, you think you're a lousy driver, you know, you are and maybe a decade ahead of some guys available in the cutting edge research teams across the world. And I think it's really a combination of understanding, you know, dynamics of, you know, different actors on the world. So it's actually really a, an, an, an inherent understanding of social interactions 
between agents, which we call, you know, in software we call agents on the road, because you have an understanding of how you interact with people, right? And so that's something that, you know, machines don't have. You switch them on, they're like, okay, I see something in front of me, like, what is that? And that's literally where we are today. So thanks to libraries that give them a bunch of data sets that say, okay, this is a person, this is a bicycle, this is, you know, a camel, this is a you know, cow, yeah. you know, that's okay, but then they still need to relate to it. So how yeah. do they infer that? Oftentimes in, in, in a lot of research papers, you get, you know, what they call GPUs, you know, graphical processing units, very expensive, yeah. very power hungry, very processing hungry, and you can't get them in, in most vehicles that, you know, regular, most of the people will buy, right? Right. So in, 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 in a sense, what you're saying is you have a vehicle that doesn't know where it is, that doesn't have the processing power to infer any relationships, and it doesn't know how people interact. You know, so how on earth are you going to have a safe drive with people doing something else in the car? So I think that's really the problem that we're facing is that the technology is there at the very high end, mm -hmm. but there is no way you can amortize that over a decent period for a regular mass market customer just to buy at an affordable price. And now, you know, the cost of living is going up, right? Which means right. what's left in your wallet is going down. And so again, you know, we have these price pressures to bring down that technology to a price point where anyone can afford. And that is, that's really tough. So the question really is, you know, what, where's, where's that, you know, where's that juncture between, you know, cool innovation and reliability at a really mm -hmm. low cost that everyone can benefit. And that's when you, 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 you can impact society, right? And it's yeah, not absolutely. I mean, I think that the GPU challenge has been at the center mm -hmm. of several decades of kind of growth and and pauses in terms of of innovation in this area. And so I, I do think it's an interesting moment that we're at. But to scale it, we, we are certainly going to have to crack that nut in terms of how we can lower the costs and how we can manage data more efficiently. And perhaps it's going to be that next layer of applying maybe machine learning in some form or fashion to make those more human-like in inferences, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, know. You talk, you talk about data. I think it's, uh, that's, that, that's another challenge we have with data uh, because now we have uh, data that's not able to cross borders mm -hmm. as easily as it used to be. Uh, for, for good or bad and bad, right? Because in, in, well, in some ways, data can, could be accessed anywhere, anytime with very little limitations, which introduces, you know, privacy issues, right? Now we've gone the other way. It's like now we want to make sure the data is private, that we have control over it, you know, ability to be forgotten, all that. But now we have basically a decoupling of, um, of regulations, right? So different regulatory, different jurisdictions, whether it's Europe, you know, Japan, US, China, all of these have different ways of man manipulating data, and each of those have to be taken care of uh, separately. So it introduces a lot of cost, it introduces a lot of complexity, and if you put your foot, you know, in, in in the wrong direction from a regulatory perspective, you know, that means that you're not compliant. Yeah. So that means you can't roll out your product. That means you can't drive that innovation. So I think there's a lot of complexity now that's actually involved in the um, processing and um, you know, ensuring data not only is private, but, you know, kind of meets the regulations mm -hmm. uh, in different jurisdictions. So it, it's not, you know, so a solution built in Japan might not necessarily translate to another jurisdiction. You might need to completely rewrite it, which uh, creates silos, right? And yeah. silos, you know, 
drives down, you know, innovation. So it's, it's this, you know, how do you balance, you know, a global solution, like a, you know, a big company would want to, if you want to scale, you need to have like one solution that drives everything yeah. versus customizing for each and every use case, each and every jurisdiction. Well, uh, let me ask you about that a little bit more, because I think that certainly over the last couple of years, you are at this stage now where you're coming out of the pandemic. How did this pandemic shape the business and, and the way you worked? I mean, certainly some of the things we're discussing now, like silos, access to various technologies, I can imagine may, may have presented some challenges, but perhaps there has been some, some innovation that's come from this as well. Yeah, I think my, my personal experience with, with COVID was, you know, we couldn't get into the office and our teams were distributed. So it was, um, I think on one hand, it, it forces people to communicate more mm -hmm. and more regularly. Uh, because what you may consider through tacit communication or like, you know, like um, unspoken communication when you're sitting in an office together and in a room together, there's actually quite a lot of information flowing there. Uh, and you're just not aware of it, but everyone kind of kind of gets it right, kind of you're kind of through osmosis. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're on a call, on a video call, it's, uh, you know, you lose most of that. So yeah. I think you know, being more explicit with communication, that's, I think that's affected um, <clears throat> a lot of cultures that have a high predominance of um, nonverbal communication mm. uh, and, you know, kind of implicit communication. They've been forced to become more explicit in the formulation of what they need by when. Right? And so many cultures don't necessarily, you know, that's not inherent to them. So mm -hmm. I think Japanese culture is one of those, right? It's very much reliant on, you know, nonverbal communication, um, you know, team consensus, you know, a team building, you know, while you're, while you're in a physical space. And so that's not been that's not been obvious uh, for them to make that transition. Um, being more communicative, I think, on a regular basis. So before I'd like to I'd like I do an all hands meeting every month, right? And then kind of lay out you know what's going on, what's happened, and what's coming up. But then I switch to weekly, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I made it much shorter because you know attention spans are shorter. But um, you know if you don't do weekly, then you know you lose touch because everyone's at home. You know you, that's that's your only touch point with you know, your, your, your superior or your, you know, or, or management, right? And so, you know, management tends to get decoupled much, much easier than peers who are walking, working together anyway. So I think, you know, be, be more communicative more often, be more explicit on, on expectations. Um, and then, you know, managing work-life balance across time zones has been, has been a bummer, right? It's really difficult to, that there is no you know, you make yourself available 24-7, that's also not very good. Um, you know, you try to block time off, you know, it benefits one group, it doesn't benefit another. Rotating, there's, there's not a good solution. And so, um, but, you know, I think we're all in this together was one of the things that, you know, I found is important. It's just, yeah. it's not going to benefit everyone all the time, but we're all just going to get a hit like once every couple of weeks. So just talk to your family, just get somehow them to agree to it. And then, you know, we'll just, we'll just work it out together. And, and I think, you know, being kind of open and honest about that, um, I think helped yeah. when a lot of people were anxious, uh, a lot of people, you know, weren't seeing each other and other people didn't know, you know, didn't, didn't see, couldn't see the end of the tunnel. And so I think, yeah, it was, you know, that, that's how we, I think that's how I, ch I changed the way I work with my team. Yeah, no, I love that perspective. I mean, we, we now find ourselves finally, uh, knock on wood, I should say, probably, uh, finding our way out of some of these challenges slowly but surely. And 
you know, Monali, when you look forward with your team, what what does the near future look like for you? What are the priorities on the on the docket? Yeah, I think it just comes back to really what I was mentioning in the early part of our of our conversation. I think it's really, you know, what are the what are the trend what are the large social trends that aren't going away and that are driving uh, change across the planet? Like how can we support those? How can we make people's life better, uh, quality of life better? So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if it's uh, if it's around climate, you know, how can we help decarbonize? How can we help diversify uh, how people move around, the energy sources that they have and benefit they can have with that? That's one. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, how can we do better with the time we have in the car or in that mobility that we have? So um, increasing the amount of autonomy uh, while making it reliable. And so that's really that's really my touch point, like really what I go back to, like wake up every morning, like, okay, what are we trying to do? Okay, this is what we're trying to affect. How are we going to do it? Okay, it needs to be cool, innovative, and reliable. So how do we make that happen? Because all these three things are completely in conflict with each other, right? Yeah, so that absolutely. kind of creates, um, that creates an anchor, right? That you can then kind of work towards on a particular angle, a particular product. Uh, and I think it keeps you focused because there's a lot of distraction and there's a lot of challenges uh, on the road, um, but it just it just helps you stay focused on 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 why you wake up in the morning, uh, which I think yeah. is. Well, I mean, certainly the the beauty of the beauty of what you're doing, uh, Mondale, is that you're working on literally the most important challenges that we are all facing as as human beings and humankind and so what an exciting place to be working on on them uh, right now we've been speaking with Mondali Kalesi and you know what we've been speaking today about are those challenges that society faces whether it be climate change, whether it be providing the elderly with more mobility in their lives and more flexibility, uh, ways that we can bring um, data together, ways we can actually think about smarter solutions in a more scalable and efficient manner. These are key elements that will be shaping and structuring society as we go forward. And Mondali will have all of the answers for all of us by next Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let, let me get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If somebody thank wanted you. to learn more about what you're working on, where should they find you? Yeah, uh, well, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. I, I try to um, <clears throat> I try to spend you know a couple of hours a week, you know, looking at you know what are the key technology trends uh, and key like technology innovations that could support uh, the work. So, in some cases, it might be research. In other cases, it might be more business driven. Uh, discussions, but you know, I'm 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 on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, so if you look for me there, uh, Mandley Kalesi, uh, you can probably find me. Excellent, Amandali. Thank you so much for being on Uncaged Day, and we look forward to having you back. Cheers. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks so much.